Hey, Story Show listeners, Jeremy Corey Green is here along with Shane Kepke and Angie Zoller Barker. And we're here to preview our next story, which comes from the 2020 Story Show, Pass the Plate Story Show. Uh, appropriately, this story is written by a professional chef. Yeah. Uh, Bob Tavis is kind of, I would describe Bob as a local treasure. He's a talented musician who's both a professional musician and a professional chef. And um, so creativity is kind of his bag, right? Yeah. Um, but this particular uh, venture is kind of out, outside of his normal areas, you know? Yeah, he's usually quietly in a kitchen cooking up really amazing food at his restaurant or quietly sitting behind a piano or an organ playing amazing music that he wrote. And so for him to use his voice and speak out a story, it was it was an interesting thing. And then a creative writing story, no less. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a rare gift at Story Show. Yeah, we don't get a lot of fictional... Stories. I, I, as, as, as I recall, it's only the second one. Um, okay. And it's, yeah, so it was a treat. Um, so, creative writing ventures. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you take any? Do you, do you, yeah? Well, I think we're all writers, right? Like, we all write in our free time. Right. It's yeah. a way to kind of. I mean, I literally write a story every Sunday. <laughs> okay, humble brag. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of something I do. It's not a big deal, but I mean, whenever I, I get only... paid for it, that. <laughs> but uh, writing's interesting because there's different kinds, and so like the one I do for my work is a job, and so there's an expectation and a format around that. But it's a creative nonfiction essay every week. Yeah. Whereas when I want to sit down and write an experience or a story, like I love memoir, and so memoir is a completely different thing than the kind of storytelling I do on a weekly basis. And so to sit down and tell a story like that, I remember my first one. I mean, it wasn't even in college. It was the summer between high school and college, and a bunch of us got to go on this senior trip, which from our little town in Nebraska was a big deal. We all were allowed to go to a friend's parents' cabin in northern Minnesota, which is no big deal to Minnesotans, but it was a big deal to kids from Nebraska. And we got to spend a week up there, like eight of us. So you're like trees? Yeah. Water? There were literally <laughs> trees everywhere, and there was a lake at the end of the driveway. It was amazing. That is pretty cool. We left the dust and came there. Uh, but the I dust. remember getting home and thinking... <laughs> Shout out to Nebraska. <laughs> I know. I do love my homeland. Uh, <laughs> so, what was really interesting about that was... I remember thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to lose this memory. I don't want to lose that experience. And so I remember sitting down and writing it all out, like kind of a diary format, and then going back and rewriting it later and thinking. And I remember giving it to a couple friends, thinking like, "This is amazing, right? You want to, you want to keep this forever?" And they're like, "Yeah, thanks." And it was file thirteen, but uh, it, it was just uh, that kind of spark of trying to remember. I, I sort of do that for my family too. Like I'll journal when we're on vacations. Um, but like I also do a lot of like video. Um, I don't know what you'd call them. Like a vlog. No, 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 no. A like I'll come home and like make a video of like all the pictures. Oh, and, like sure. I'll include the whole timeline and put music to it yeah. and like oh, a montage. Make the whole thing. Yeah. A, a photo story. Yeah, well, photo I, story. Yeah. I wanna. I want to curl up in that living room and just watch some stories here. <laughs> I got so many. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I, I tell you what, those, those are those, those are wonderful um, because it, you know you capture 
you can, and especially if you make them relatively soon after the experience, mm-hmm. because then you remember like what what was most fun, and and you can place them that way. So that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, a lot of my creative writing happens um, with when I, I teach creative writing almost every year, and I try to do at least half of the assignments with my students and kind of share my progress as they're doing theirs and. Um, it's really self-indulgent, and <laughs> at any time I can say, "All right, guys, I want to share my, uh, I, want, I want to share my progress with you," and then I'll share it. And I get to, I get to workshop my stuff for free, you know, with with these these kids. But it's a good motivation to write, and you know, we all have jobs and families, and it's hard to carve out that time. So mm-hmm. I'm super fortunate to be able to to do that almost every year with for a semester. So you say that you turned one of your passions into a career. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lesson in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Do what you love for day in life. Oh my gosh, that's a good one. Better candy, what up? Yeah, when Oz was little, um, when he would go to bed at night, I would sit down and write because Josh and I worked opposite schedules because we were like super, super, super poor. So we both had to work just all day. <laughs> so we figured out how to get jobs that like allowed us to do that. Um, and so I would write at night. And man, in like a two year period, I think I cranked out like three books that are just like sitting in a cupboard. <laughs> like, I was 20. They're not good. Yeah. Oh, isn't that... Oh, talk that's... about humble. No, I mean, that is that is a whole other discussion. But, like, when I was... Um, you guys are going to make fun of me because whenever I say I studied abroad, I get the... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But when, when I studied abroad, I was also 20. And, um, and I kept a journal, like every day and and I also wrote some horrible poetry along the way and at the time who hasn't written horrible poetry at man at the time I was like oh this is good <laughs> like, like so much so I was afraid to share it with people I'm like yeah, this, I, this is really good people right? are not ready for my poetry that's what you were not, not five years later I look at it and I'm like oh my god <laughs> Like, you, you really thought a lot of yourself. Well, you were 20 years old that's studying insane. abroad, that's so I, be- yeah. I believe conceited goes with that backpack, it doesn't does, it? Yeah. <laughs> free, free with purchase, man. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, you know, that distance between, you know, when you compose something and then when you revisit it with new eyes and you're like, oh, you know, there are some things that are salvageable, but... That's part of the journey, though. Like you, yeah. you have to like work those muscles to like get yeah. better at them, yeah. even if they're brain muscles. And like you got to write to get to be a better writer. Like you don't start out being Shakespeare. And you've and you know we, the, one one could listen to this conversation and be like, well, gosh, I don't want to write anything because in five years it's going to look like garbage. But you've got to turn off that voice and just write because mm-hmm. otherwise you never do. You yeah. Never, and, I always tell my kids, we're just pouring sand in the sandbox. We're going to come back and make sandcastles later, but you got to get it on paper for to be sure. able to do something with nice it. Nice metaphor. Man, you just gave me that for free, and I've taken a class at the Iowa Writers Workshop in Iowa City. So oh, That's a dope I, workshop. It is a dope. Man. I used to live really close to it, and so I used some time one time to do I'm that. I'm super jelly right now. It was really good. It was about memoirs and 
That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But that was one of the lines. And oh, really? I paid a lot of money for that class, and I've been your friend a, lo- a while now. <laughs> and just like, I got that I for free. That so uh, I feel like we could start a convention together. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on tour next year. <laughs> right. Well, we, uh, we hope you enjoy um, listening to Bob's uh, venture into creative writing. And um, this is Intersection of Faith, Family, and Food by Bob Tavis. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Our next speaker, Bob, enjoys making and eating food. He is also captivated by the conversations that evolve over a slow, unhurried dinner. His children grew up watching and helping him cook, and many of their favorite memories involve having had dinners out together in various locations. When not working, he and his wife, Patty, enjoy walking their dog, Phoebe, a heavily shedding golden retriever. (laughs) He finds that dog hair is never a welcome ingredient in any of the food he prepares. (laughs) This is The Intersections of Faith, Family, and Food, by Bob Tavis. She walked toward the living room window again, peering to the west in the direction from from which they would be coming. She said to herself, they should have been here by now. There must have been heavy traffic in the city. Grandma's eager anticipation was only matched by the aromas of the lunch she had been preparing all morning, pouring out of the kitchen. Such is the nature of a grandma's love. Today, her special granddaughter, Jenny, would be coming to spend a few weeks with her. She had looked forward to this day for several weeks now after her son, Steve, and his wife, Julie, had asked if she would not mind watching their daughter while they took a special anniversary trip abroad. Without hesitation, Sharon had had exclaimed, I would be thrilled to have that one-on-one opportunity with Jenny. And so now, as their arrival seemed delayed, the excitement seemed to multiply with each passing minute. And then finally, the sight of the long-awaited blue minivan came into view. Sure enough, they had safely traversed the 200 miles from their home and were now just a block away from the beginning of the anticipated summer extended playdate to be relished between a grandmother and her granddaughter. As the van pulled into the driveway, Sharon beelined out of the front door, You're here! You're here! she exclaimed. Hi, Mom, Steve responded as he greeted his mother with a quick embrace. The the traffic south of Minneapolis wasn't moving very fast. I'm sorry we're late. No problem, replied Sharon. I'm just so glad that you're safe. And now let me see my little granddaughter. The sliding door of the van swung open and revealed a wide-eyed girl full of energy and curiosity. Jenny had just celebrated her seventh birthday. She was so excited to be coming to play with Grandma Sharon. Grandma, we're here. Hi, Mom, Julie said as she greeted her mother-in-law with a little kiss on the cheek. We're so glad you are willing to watch our little princess while we take our our anniversary cruise. Without missing a beat, Steve walked to the back of the van whose tailgate was already opening. Get Jenny's suitcases and let's get inside. I have lunch ready for all of us. As soon as Jenny reached the open front door, she exclaimed, Grandma, it smells so wonderful in here. Oh, good, Jenny. I'm glad you like how it smells. I made your father's favorite dish for us today. 
Oh yes, Jenny, Dad piped in. I would recognize the smell of Mom's lasagna anywhere. It's always been my favorite. Without too much time, Steve had carried in the various suitcases, toys, and other miscellaneous gear a seven-year-old might need for a three-week stay at Grandma's, and then a few more bags of other things just in case. Grandma meandered into the kitchen to plate up the luncheon. Go ahead and take a seat at the kitchen table, she directed. Sharon was born to be hospitable. It oozed from her heart into the social gatherings within which she took part. By being hospitable to others, somehow she was made more complete herself. What would you like to drink? I have lemonade, milk, or iced tea. Each announced their favorite beverage choice, and in a matter of moments, the meal had been placed before the hungry travelers. The conversation at lunch was nonstop and engaging, running the gamut of family catching ups. What is new in your lives? Have you stayed healthy throughout the past flu season? Are you still working so many hours at your job, Steve? You know I worry about how hard you work. Young Jenny liked this part of dinner at Grandma's. She learned so much about her family. She could feel with each of Grandma's questions a glimpse at an ocean-wide love that she had for her dad. She sensed that Grandma loved her mother, too, and her love for Jenny was unquestioned. The food was delicious, for sure, but it seemed like the conversation helped to make each participant feel fully nourished. Such was the way family meals always seemed to go at Grandma's. They were unhurried events where honest conversation and deep bonding seemed to happen with each unfolding bite. At the meal's end, after the banana cream pie had been consumed, daughter-in-law Julie loved Sharon's banana cream pie, Steve and Julie rose to get ready to return to their home to finish packing for their anniversary getaway. Take good care of our little Jenny, Mom, Steve exclaimed. No problem, son. I'll treat her like I treated you when you were her age, Grandma replied. Jenny, prepare to be spoiled, Steve chuckled. You will be smothered with love and affection, Jenny, if Grandma treats you like she did when raising your daddy, added Julie. Oh, now let's not exaggerate the past, but let's get Mom and Dad on their way. They have an anniversary to celebrate. Jenny and I are going to have a great time together, aren't we, sweetie? A round of hugs goodbye ensued, lingering hugs by Mom and Daughter and, and Dad and Daughter, and then with waves goodbye by Grandma and Jenny from the driveway to waving parents in the minivan, in a matter of moments, Grandma and Granddaughter were left alone, standing in the driveway. The launch of their long-awaited three-week adventure had officially begun. It didn't take long for Jenny to get started experiencing the summer that she'll never forget. There was the memory of helping Grandma plant the flowers in the backyard garden, and the regular trips to the market for groceries for making more of that magical food that seemed to tirelessly flow from Grandma's hands. But the thing Jenny experienced that summer that stood out most in her memory was Grandma's work at her church's food shelter. Sharon was one of the founders of her church's food shelter, a place where hungry people were given a warm meal every Monday in the church's fellowship hall. What had started 10 years earlier as a trial social ministry endeavor on a busy night feeding 20 people had blossomed into a critical assistance program to the underprivileged and unemployed in the community. Regularly, upwards of 150 people now took advantage of this service. 
I love to see the gratitude in the eyes of the people when they eat the food we make for them, Grandma told Jenny as they headed to church that first Monday of their summer adventure. At first, hunger is their focus. They line up a half hour before we start serving and their eyes stare at the serving windows, hoping for the familiar sign that the serving is about to begin. But oh, once they have their trays of food and their place at the table, the focus shifts from their hunger and then the conversation and laughter start erupting from the fellowship hall. But Grandma, Jenny asked, why don't the people just stay at their houses and eat food with their own families? Jenny didn't understand the concepts of homelessness, poverty, or hunger. She had never been without anything. In fact, she lived a privileged life of affluence. Honey, not everyone is as blessed as we have been. Grandma tried to explain economics and social welfare to a seven-year-old. Well, I am sure that they like your cooking, Grandma, because I know I sure do. Jenny watched her grandma organize the other workers who had arrived at 3 o'clock to prepare for the 6 o'clock dinner. Like the coach of a team, Grandma told each of the other volunteers what was being prepared that day, who would do what, and the order that should be followed so that everything would be made correctly and within the time constraints. Jenny was given seven-year-old appropriate tasks that she could perform. She peeled carrots, arranged cut vegetables, and helped put ice cubes into the glasses that had already been set on each preset place at the tables. Jenny had been given her own specific and important contributions to the effort. Jenny, we become the hands of Christ when we serve others, Grandma instructed. It is hard work, but it is so worthwhile. Wait until you see the happy, grateful faces of the people. They are so thankful. It makes me feel so valuable and appreciated. They continued with the myriad of tasks and preparation steps necessary to prepare the meal. And then, just as she had predicted, at about 5.20, the first of the patrons began to arrive. They walked in one at a time from their various life circumstances and began to form a long line that stretched down the fellowship hall and around the adjoining hall. By five minutes to six, the 160th person had arrived. Grandma Sharon grabbed the bell like she had so many times before. She rang it joyfully and then trumpeted her infectious greeting to the strangers before her. Welcome everyone to our food ministry banquet. We are so glad you are able to eat with us tonight. We are all valuable people in God's eyes, and we pray that God will bless our lives and the conversations we will share together. Let us pray. Jenny stood attentively watching and listening to her grandma talk into the microphone. She didn't know grandma could talk with such authority and confidence. She heard her say a prayer, asking God to bless the food. The hands that had helped prepare the food, that included her hands. And most of all, the people who had come to share in the feast that had been prepared for all to partake. It was eloquent, but simple. Nonetheless, it left an indelible mark in the memory of a young Jenny. At the prayer's conclusion, the procession of hungry people progressed through the service line. Just as Grandma had described, once seated, the crowd became animated. Conversation rose steadily and laughter erupted spontaneously from time to time. The people who had worked all afternoon sat among the guests, talking and laughing with them. 
Several hours later, as the guests began to leave, the cleanup began. Dishes were cleared and taken to the kitchen to be washed. Tables were wiped clean. Silverware was washed and dried and returned to the drawers. It was almost 10 o'clock by the time Grandma and Jenny were in Grandma's car traveling back to the house. Grandma, Jenny asked, you do this every week? Yes, honey, it's something that I think is really important. Do you think that all the people that come are, are really poor? Jenny, I try not to judge the people that come. I enjoy doing something for others that I feel called by God to do. And you can't deny that the people that come have a good time. Yeah, they seemed really happy. How did that make you feel when you saw the smiles on their faces? Happy. Grandma chuckled. Me too. Pass the Plate Story Show is recorded live January 11th, 2020 at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, Minnesota. The show was produced by Angie Zoller-Barker, Shane Kepke, and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. To hear more stories, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast, or check out our webpage at thestoryshow.org.